Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hey everybody, welcome to Fishhawk Live. We're glad that you could join us this evening. We're joined by Captain Casey Prisco. Captain Casey, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. You've been, you've been a busy guy so far this spring. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you this spring. Uh, we've got the boat in mid-March, and we've been nonstop since then. Um, unfortunately, Lake Ontario has given us a hard time with conditions. It's gin clear water. Um, I've talked to a lot of anglers from here all the way out to Oak Orchard, and the conditions are real tough for brown trout. So we've been going to our fallback fish right now, lake trout, and we pulled some great ones out of the lake. Um, it's been a it's been a tough spring, but we're uh, we're making do. Yeah, it's been a tough spring, but you doing what you do, you've been able to to get the fish for your clients and and get them uh, keep them happy, keep things going. You said you've been chasing down some lakers. Tell us about how you're doing that. We've been fishing anywhere from 110 to 160 feet of water. Uh, hammerhead cowbells. Um, Atomic peanut flies, coho flies, uh, and warden spinning glows, um, anywhere from 15 to 30 feet behind our balls with 1.8 GPS speed. Um, every day the conditions have changed out there. They've moved west on us, east on us, but once you find them, they've been pretty cooperative. Today was probably one of the toughest days we've had since we've been targeting in the last couple of weeks, um, and I think it had to do something with the, the weather coming in, but we're out again tomorrow, so hopefully they, they cooperate for us. and. Uh, we put some smiles on some people's faces. Yeah, you want them to cooperate. How are you getting lines down there? So you're fit, fishing uh, in that kind of depth. How are you getting your lines down to the fish? Cannon downriggers. Um, we use the new Optimums. Link them up with our fish hawk. Um, I like to see what the temperature down there before we start. So we'll, we'll check temp. But right now it's been 42 on the surface, 36 down, 110 to 130. Um, I do take the probe off after that because I fish bottom a lot. And I don't want to bang that unit off the bottom. Um, but once we do that, we, uh, troll three downriggers. If the conditions allow it, some days we have wind and it won't allow it. You don't want to tangle up. So we run two rods and then, uh, just find the right pod in the right depth and go right through them several times and move the rods. Yeah. So we're not talking about a big spread here. We're talking about a couple of rods is all you're using right now. I use no more than three rods this time of the year. Can I? Sure. Um, but I want to be able to turn fast when I find active fish and stay right on them. Um, and I find with having long lines out like dipsy divers or coppers this time of the year, it doesn't allow you to do that. Um, when I find a pot of bait that has active fish on it, I want to be able to turn around in, in a small area and, you know, circle that those active fish and take advantage of the moment when I have it. And it seems been, it's been working for us. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching your reports, and that's another thing. Uh, if you watch Casey, he's always doing reports on his page. Just about every day you'll see some stuff uh, that he's putting up there as far as what's going on. And you're doing a lot of video reports, too, talking about how you're catching fish. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing on your Facebook page right now. The biggest thing I can do to help anybody, because I was that angler one day. I came up, I've been coming up since I've been four, but in 2007, I bought my own 17-foot tracker, and I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I, nothing like I know now, let's put it that way. I could catch fish, but I didn't know exactly how to, I remember brown trout fishing in 30 feet of water and I didn't have my releases tight enough. And I watched one come up and jump off and it was just tragic. It was a nightmare and it was discouraging, but I was lucky to meet enough people up here and, you know, um, 
Dave Filato at Fat Nancy's. He was the first person I met up here. And after that, I met Rob um, from Fat Nancy's and then Andy Bliss and Tom Burke and Kevin Davis and you name it, Gene Delicati, all these guys that some of the best on the lake, some of the best you've ever seen. And it kind of took away my learning curve a lot and made me a better fisherman. And if I can return the favor to the guys that come up on the weekends or during the week and catch, want to catch fish and I can help them out. I, I want to do that. Um, I get a lot of messages, people thanking me, like I'm helping them out. I'm not doing anything. I'm nothing special. I just give an honest report. And if it works for you guys, great. You know, and that's what I want. I love seeing people catch fish. You know, you drive by and you see somebody hooked up and they're scooping a fish. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. Yeah, folks, if you have any questions for Casey, that's another thing that we're doing, what we do with all of our lives. If you have a question for our guests, put it into the comments. And if you get the question of the segment, so if we pick your question as the best question, we're going to send you a fish hawk swag bag. You'll get a nice hat. You're going to get some stickers and whatever else. Uh, the guys back at the base camp at HQ throw in the box, but uh, be a little swag bag for you. So if you got questions for Casey Prisco, please put them in the comments, and we will we'll get those asked here uh, before the night's over. But uh, Casey, one of the other things that that you were talking about, and what we, you and I have talked about before, is uh, panoptics. So let's yeah. talk about panoptics when it comes to Great Lakes fishing, and that's something that uh, I don't think a lot of people have really gotten into yet, but it's something that you do. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Uh, I think a lot more people have gotten into it now. Um, they see the value in it and the educational lessons you can learn with it. Um, it's tough to use when I'm lake trout fishing because I'm fishing so, so close to the bottom. Um, but when I'm fishing kings or browns and, that are suspended fish or on bait, it's amazing. Uh, you can call the rod. You can see exactly what you're looking at instead of a, a distorted image that you would have with traditional sonar. Um, a lot of times if you can, I can compare them side by side. I run two Garmin units side by side. One will have panoptics. The other one will have a traditional sonar and what a bait pot actually looks like to what it shows on the traditional sonar night and day. Same thing with, with a fish. There's so many times, oh, there's, there's a fish in the rigs. He's chasing that fish is still in your cone, but he's out 40 feet to the side and he's not chasing. He's spooked off your rigs because your downriggers spooked him. And now he might be a possible dipsy fish, but you better have your dipsies in the right spot. So with panoptics, you can see those fish off to the side, how deep they are, and be able to target them a little better, whether it be with a dipsy or with a you know a copper rod um, or a lead core. And it, you know it's going to increase your catch. It really is. Um, I get a ton of emails and questions about it, so I guess I'll, I'll just put it out here again. I run a PS30 transom mount. It's mounted center of my keel. On both boats, I have a 31 Tierra open and I have a 30 Pursuit offshore. Um, you, you can run it next to your fish hawk. It does not interfere. It's a different frequency. Um, I mount it straight up and down. I don't turn it sideways. Like everyone's saying, there's a hack. You can turn it sideways. I don't want that. I've, I've learned it and, and, and mastered it to where I'm comfortable knowing exactly what's going on, the way it's designed to be worked. Um, you can change the transmit angle up to 40 degrees forward and reverse. So if you're fishing a little bit deeper, you can go into your transmit angle and then just one by one until you see the picture that you want to see with your downrigger balls. Um, you will mark your cheaters. You will mark your sliders. You will see your attractor behind the ball. You can tell if you have a skippy on a deep rig that you're not seeing it bounce. Your your actual attractor will be off to the side. Um, you'll see active fish and non-active fish. 
um, I can tell you it, it definitely has helped put more fish in the boat. Um, I use uh, 8610 units, XSVs, uh, on the Dirty Goose and on the Extra Dirty, the Tierra 33 Um They're all linked together box. Um, it's simple, easy, quick to learn. Garmin's has made it, Garmin has made it so easy to use their electronics. It's almost foolproof. Um, the, the new ones, those 943s, I've made no adjustments to them, and the picture is me and Andy Bliss were just talking about it. It's picture perfect. Um, I use a B744M transducer. Um, I get everything from Krenzer Marine, uh, right in Soda's Point. You can get a hold of Rick Ajecki. I'm sure he's been on here, a crazy Yankee. Um, call him up and give him a hard time because he likes that. You know, don't just be an easy customer. Ask a lot of questions. Make him work for his sale. But he's going to take care <laughs> of you. He likes stuff like that. He's going to take care of you, though, guys. He's got a great knowledge of it, whether it's Humminbird Cannon, um, Garmin, Simrad, you know, whatever you choose. I'm not telling I'm a Garmin guy. I like it. Um, but there's a lot of great products out there with other companies as well. Um, just make sure you have a Fishhawk probe. But other than that, guys, Garmin's the way I've chosen to go and I and I'm never looking back or changing it. Um, it's just easy to read. And I can tell you I see more and more people getting Garmin's all the time. Um scenes believe and get a PS thirty deucer put on the back of the boat. And if you don't like it, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> there you go. That's quite a guarantee. Casey, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, though, and I kind of forgot about as we got into the panoptics conversation, but you said right now the water has been real clear and you haven't been able to really get into the browns like you normally do. And I think that's something that, that this time of year, uh, typically you guys are doing some brown fishing. What's what do, you, what do you think is going on with the water, and why that water is is just not producing, and why it's as clear as it is, and it's not producing the browns like it normally would this time of year? A couple things that we've noticed, you know, when we go out of the port every morning. I'm out of Mexico Bay. If you look at the shoreline, you can see the two two and a half foot section of water that we're missing in the lake, and the rocks look like they've been power washed. So even if we do get a good blow where we get some wind. There's nothing really for those rock, that wave to, to wash in. The few times we've had color, you know, we've had a couple days we did get blown off where it was nasty. Um, the water had some stain to it for about 12 hours, and then it settled because the lake's so low. Um, the biggest thing I can say is with gin clear water is it's hard. You can't replicate. You can't duplicate exactly what you need to do out there. And our lures are only so good. There's nothing that's going to replace the natural thing. And when that fish has that much time and gin clear water to look at your baits, everything better be perfect. And even then, chances are you're not getting bit. Um, we've downsized. We've used lighter line. We've stretched our leads. Um, it hasn't really seemed to matter. One day we had three browns. The next two we had no bites in six hours, two different trips, three hours trolling. Um, I trolled with two different groups for seven hours. We had one fish. Um, it was a 10 pound brown, which is a beautiful brown trout, but it's a long day to take a boat ride for that one bite that you hope he stays on. Um, it's just tough. They don't leave. They're still here. It's just, uh, they're definitely picky right now. And with the conditions, it's, it's super, super tough. This has got to be one of the toughest springs I can remember, you know, and it's, it's not just in my home port. It's all the way up to Henderson, all the way out to Oak Orchard. You know, you, you see everyone, they have a good day or two, but the rest of it's been tough, you know, and I think the biggest thing is, is we need some water in the lake. 
I don't know how, how to raise it. One, one minute it's flooding, the next minute it's drought. So it's, uh, it's definitely challenging for us, but I think, you know, challenging conditions definitely make you a better angler. If it's always easy, you're not learning. So you don't give up, you keep trying. And tomorrow we're going to go to hopefully try for Browns in the morning for a few hours. And maybe with this rain we had and some overcast conditions and we had a little Northwest wind, we might have a little bit of color and tight and who knows, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe tomorrow's our day. You know, you have to be positive about it. If you go out saying, ah, we're just not going to get Browns, you're not going to get Browns, you know, but you also have to give your, your customers that come on the boat an honest, hey, guys, this is what's going on. I'll do whatever you want to do. But it's, it's truly about them in the end, Chris. You know, they, they're, they're the ones coming up here from wherever they're coming from, whether it's an hour away, six hours away. You, you be honest with them and let them know this is this is our options. And I let them choose. And I think they respect me for that. And I respect them for choosing it, you know, choosing me and for let me know this is what they want to do. I'm, I'm game to do whatever they want to go do. And, and that's what we do. You know, we have a good time. You know, we have a, uh, a lot of laughs on the water and that's what it's about. Casey, you, you talked about those, those uh, depths being low right now. Last year when I was out in New York, the talk was everything was, was high. That the high. There was high water and now you're saying the water's low. What, what do you think is happening there as far as the water levels fluctuating? Because honestly, when I was there, you know, there were people that I talked to that were like, we can't talk about we can't talk about water levels. We got to talk about other stuff because uh, there was a lot of a lot of talk about the high water levels. Uh, it was you know a little over a year ago when I was out there in New York. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on with it. We had a pretty good snowfall this year, but I think a lot of it went right back into the ground. It would warm up and then it would freeze and warm up and then it would freeze, and we never really had that runoff to bring the lake up. And I think Pete Alex is stealing a lot of our water for Lake Erie. <laughs> you know, he's that guy. He's sneaky. The sneaky Pete, yeah. that's what we call him. Um, no, but honestly, I, I just think, you know, we've let a lot of water out and we just didn't have the runoff that we needed this year to get it back up. And I can tell you, it's there's a lot of marinas that the docks are super, super low. You know, my normal dock that I would be at is, it's going to be tough for me to get in there. I think it's manageable, um, but it's, definitely low and you know it's it's everywhere the other day unfortunately i i hit something with my prop i had track lines through there numerous times this year and it you know it was a boulder that was just we had south winds three days and it was probably a little bit lower than it, it was a couple days before the water pushes out and it goes down a few inches and i end up dinging up a prop but hopefully we pray for rain and that the lake comes up that's all we can do and we get some colored water so we can play with the brown trout that are waiting for us well, we're starting to get some questions uh, onto the show now. We've got a few here. It uh, looks like two of them are about the same, and one of them is from your friend Pete Quest. Uh, yeah, that's Pete Alex. He's probably got a good question. <laughs> well, he actually go him and Steve, Stephen Hubert kind of have the same question. Pete wants to know if you believe diver color matters, and Stephen wants to know what color diver is most consistent. I use two colored divers primarily black and about eight years ago they stopped making the original uh lure jensen froggy glow diver um i think russell gahagan had a few made fat nancy's had some made um but i used the originals and once in a while chrome with high sun or a nuclear one but a lot of blacks and a lot of originally froggy glow those are my two favorite by far um all right. Each day it has its different day, but 
I like them. I think black's probably the second favorite, but the froggy glows. I always have one of them in the water to start. And then you start seeing one diver go more than the other and you, you swap them out. We got another question here from Mike Curdy. He wants to know what weight ball do you use for lake trout and is it shark shape or round? I use both. Um, I just started using round ones um, because I'll be honest, they're a lot cheaper if I lose one than a shark. Um, I don't like the way they track as much, you know, but uh, I use 15 pound weights. I use 150 pound uh, Power Pro on my Canon Optimums. Um, they cut through to the water great. And the only reason really why I lose the weight is because I'm banging bottom and zebra mussels are nicking my line. Um, there's a lot of times you just don't see it and you'll lose one. I think I've lost two weights so far this year and I've lake trout fished probably 50 times. So it's part of, part of doing business, I guess. Um, but I did get some round balls just to, to try. I have noticed that the round balls have tangled a few times with currents and turning where my sharks have never done that. Um, but it's not the end of the world. All right. Kind of on that same same line of thought is from Mark Troy Circle. He wants to know on your rigger line, are you using braid or wire? Braid. 150-pound uh, power pro. And what do you like about that? It just cuts the water truer. Uh, there's no hum noise. You know, if you if you were putting any um, any electric or electrolysis or whatever you want to call it into the water it's eliminated even though we have positive ion control with the cannons um you know they came out with a black box and guys you know turn it up to get any of that noise out of the water well i don't have that with the power pro you know and the biggest thing around here you hear is oh you're gonna have a ton of fleas on it sure the fleas do become a problem but with the cannons i pull my retro in just a touch it starts to ball up the fleas I let it free. It'll ball them up at the end. I take my hand on the retrieves and just push them down and off they come. Um, I just like that it's true. You know, I can, my fish hawk tells me my depth of my probe. I've had 150 feet on it with a 15 pound shark, 150 feet of line out on my power, on my rigger, and the probe reads 150. So it's true. You know, knowing where your lines are at are, is huge. You know, if I'm seeing fish at 80 feet, I want to know my downrigger is at 80 feet. I don't want to guess how much blowback I have with cable or with my, you know, other coded cable or whatever somebody may be using. I want to know where my stuff is. I need to be in the zone. You know, if it's just like hunting. If you want to kill a big deer, you better be where the big deer lives. And if you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to do that. You know, you can luck out, but I want to be, to be consistent. You want to know where everything is. And that's the best way I found to do it was with power pro 150 pound power pro. It's right where I want it to be. When, whatever that rigor says it's there. I put 300 feet on, I put it over top of the cable, I program it for 400 feet, and it's there. All right, here's one from Jeremy Gillette. He'd like to know, what do you do when the bite shuts off mid-morning or when the sun is high and the fish seem to disappear? Start telling stories. No. Um, <laughs> I think you got to change your program up a little bit. With panoptics, I can see if the fish have become dormant or if they're just – you know, turned off and not moving or if they're active still, but I don't have the right options. You know, sometimes you, you think that chrome because the sun's up. Well, I can tell you there's times that glow is the best in the sun. Um, I don't know how many times, you know, I put a stinger down with a white back in the middle of the day and it starts going. Um, I think you just, you know, you don't ever go crazy and change out everything, but I think you, 
you start to adjust a little bit and see what happens. The fish will tell you what they want. It's being able to determine what they're telling you and putting together a good program to make them bite. Um, some days your best bite is in the middle of the day. You know, it, it really just depends on it's day to day. I don't think there's ever a time that the middle of the day is the worst fishing. I think it's how you approach that, that time of the day is how your results going to be. You know, um, I always get asked what trips better the morning trip or the afternoon trip. And I'll be honest, I think it's 50, 50, maybe in the end of the season, the afternoon could be better. I think I like it better. I think sometimes it's just as good in the morning. Um, all depends on the time and the depth you're fishing too. But you know, in the morning you got to go out and find the fish, find what they're eating, where they're at and, and put together a box in the afternoon. You have your Intel. In my case, my other boats Intel or any close friends that I trust to talk with Intel. And it makes it a lot easier, you know? So I think just being positive that you can go catch them any time of the day and going out and doing that, you know? Awesome. Here's a really good question. I like this question. It's from Christian Schoen. And Christian asks, when you were young and you got your first boat, the Bass Tracker, did you ever think that you would be where you are now? No, no. Um, I've always loved fishing and I, I look at it as a challenge. I don't think, uh, I know I don't ever think I'd be doing what I was doing now. No. Um, you know, I went from having the 17 foot tracker to fishing with cold steel and striker and the sea devil every weekend, um, which was a 32 tier that's owned by Pete Litoski now. Um, I think I had big boat envy and, my next boat was the Dirty Goose, and then I had a Rabalo, 26 Rabalo that I sold and actually just purchased back, and um, a 31 Open Tier. So, no, I don't think I've ever thought I would go this far, um, but I'm thankful every day that I get to go do what I love to do, and it's, uh, it's a really neat life. Here's one from Rob Belmore. Oh, Rob boy. <laughs> He wants to know at what depth of water do you start using panoptics? He's assuming skinny brown trout water doesn't lend itself well. I would say 20 feet and out is the best. I honestly, every finger, I can tell you every fish finder, this is probably one of the biggest debates I have with a lot of people. Oh, I'm marking a ton of fish. At the end of the day, I don't care if you have a 40 degree cone underneath your boat in 20 feet of water, it's no bigger than let's say 15 feet. You're, how many fish can you fit in a triangle 15 feet up to your boat where it becomes two foot? Not many. I think you get a lot of noise, a lot of rejection pings that show as fish. Um, I think any fish finder from 20 feet out is when they start working the best. That's just my opinion. I'm sure there's guys that think others that otherwise that's, that's fine. Um, primarily when I'm in 20 feet or less, I'm really just using it to know what depth I'm in to make sure I don't um, but 20 feet out and then you can go all the way out to 800 feet of water, you know, and, and not have a problem using panoptics. You know, I can see fish down 200 feet of water. Um, yeah. Very cool. I have a question for you. And I see this one a lot on uh, a lot of the forums on Facebook. And again, folks, if you guys have questions for Casey, go ahead and drop them in the comments. We are going to pick basically the, the question of the, uh, the, the evening and they're going to get a fish hawk swag bag they're going to get a fish hawk hat and some stickers and 
whatever else the boys at HQ have to throw into the box. But uh, go ahead and ask the questions that you have for Casey. But here's one I see a lot online, and that is a lot of people getting started, maybe running a bass tracker like what you had as their first boat. They're trying to set up rods, and they're trying to figure out how many rods they need, how to get started. They don't have a bunch of money to, to build a huge uh, grouping of rods. They're just going to maybe grab three or four rods. How would you go about attacking that as far as length of rods and action and those type of things? What should they be looking for when they're putting together the rods for the kind of a first run at a Great Lakes boat? Well, it's a tough question. I, uh, you're, you're talking to a tackle junkie, so it's tough. Um, I guess the, the best way I would put it is bite the bullet and buy the better quality rod and reel right from the beginning. I know it's going to sound ignorant, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I did it. You're going to get into it. You're going to get addicted, and you're going to end up selling that rod and reel to somebody else for a fraction of what you paid for, and then you're going to buy the better quality stuff. So do it just up front. Um, for brown trout fishing, I mean, if you wanted to get away with a, a, a dual-purpose rod that you could probably use for brown trout as in a board rod and in a rigger rod and in a dipsy diver rod, like for Chinook divers, I would say – I mean, I love my Shimano, so I'm partial to them. But I would say a Shimano Tolora, eight foot medium light. You can get away with a 500 or 600 Dakota on it, and not have an issue with being able to pull stick baits on boards, spoons on riggers, Chinook diver, even mono divers or little cookie divers. Um, that Big John makes. You can get away with all that with that that setup. Um, you know, if you don't can't afford inline or, uh, you know, a, a planer board mast and reels, um, church tackle. I like TX-22s or TX-12s. They're a great board, easy to use, um, relatively cheap, and it'll get the job done for you. Very cool, Casey. How about uh, what are you using for spoons? You talked about spoons for kings. What What is your number one spoon for kings? That question brought to you by Stephen Huber. He wants to know, what's your favorite spoon for kings? It changes year to year. I can't say I have a favorite. A couple years ago, it was a white-backed pickle seed Stinger makes. Um, my favorite spoon for kings. I like how you threw that Stinger when they're knowing that Rob Belmore's watching. I'm no dummy. Um <laughs> It really depends on the conditions, I guess. A um, few years ago, it was a Black Widow, black and silver. Um, that was, you know, an easy go-to, especially in Wilson. Um, but it changes. You know, uh, Carbon 14 is a good one in the morning, first thing in the morning. Um, UVNBK is probably one of my best for a few years. Um it has a, it's a crushed UV on the edge of an NBK spoon, uh, stingray size. Very cool. Here's one that just came in through. It's from Mario Colonna, and he wants to know. I'm I'm looking forward to the answer to this question. Oh How boy! Is speed when trolling? What is the optimal speed for salmon? It's different for boat to boat, and it's really different depending on how you fish and what you're fishing with. Um. I like to run a ton of meat when I can, I mean, right from the spring, I'll be out in Wilson and I'll be running meat. Um, with meat, I tend to run slower than most boats. Um, guys that run spoons will run a little faster. Um, 
on my fish hawk when I'm running meat, I like anywhere from 2.1 to 2.3, 2.4. Um, not saying there's days I won't go 2.728. You know, if I'm turning and my outside copper goes or my diver on the outside where it's faster goes, then I'll speed up and see. Now, the fish will tell you what speed. Like I said, it's uh, being able to listen to what the fish tell you and put it all together. And there's some days it doesn't matter. You've been doing 2.7 on your fish hawk and you double up and you slow down to net the fish and you're in and out of gear and your fish hawk reads 1.7 and next thing you know, your rigger's pounding off and a copper takes off. You know, they're just, they're on the bite that day. Um, I would say with spoons, 2.5 to 2.7, meat, 2.1 to 2.3, flies, depending on the length of your leader, um, the faster you go, the longer the leader I like. Um, the slower you go, the shorter leader you can use. Um, and the size of the paddle makes a difference too. You know, if you're using an 11-inch paddle, I like to run a 36-inch lead behind it or, or longer, 42. Um, on a regular paddle, 8-inch, 24, 27 inches. Um, sometimes a longer one. It, you know, if I grab a fly and I put it out and it goes and it's long, I'll, I'll put another long one out. You know, I'm, I'm experiment. That's the best way. You know, every boat fish is different. I know a lot of guys that say, oh, yeah, I run a 22-inch lead. On my boat, I can't catch them on a 22-inch lead. Um, and if I don't have confidence in it, I'm not putting it in the water, you know, especially when I'm either a tournament's on a line or somebody's paying me to perform and catch fish for them. I'm going with what I'm confident in. You know, we, uh, we all have thousands and thousands of dollars spent in tackle, but I can guarantee you I'm not the only one that has this problem. I have what's called a hot box or to-go box. It's, the, it's the, the lures that are consistently that I use every year. And for the last five years, it's had the same probably 40 or 50 rigs in it. And I'm still guilty of it. I'll go out and buy 50, 60, 100 new attractors that I need because I think they're going to catch fish for me. But I still put the same stuff right back in the water year after year, and it performs. And I know stuff that I put in the water is 100% different than what Hajeki puts in the water and then what Pete Alex puts in the water and what Andy puts in the water. And we're all catching fish. So it's really what you have confidence in. Here's a question. You were kind of talking about how some gear works on some boats and it doesn't work on other boats. Uh, Jeremy Gillette asked, do you believe boat harmonics play a part in your gear? He says he's taken his go-to gear on his boat as a mate on another boat and it doesn't get touched. On the other hand, he's used uh, gear running charters that he could soak for days and not get a hit. Um. I've taken my go-to rigs on other boats and had it work. Um, I, I think, like I said, there's certain boats that fish different than others. And there's no place like home, I guess is the best way to put it. So if you're on your own boat, you have an idea what everything should look like, how your dipsy should be bent, what, it, what your rigger cable should look like. And it could be the littlest thing that's throwing it off. Um, I can remember probably four years ago, I was fishing in sodas, brown trout fishing, and we had an insane bite. I had Matt French on the boat with me, Captain Matt, and I think we had over 30 browns. And I called Andy, and he was on my other boat at the time, and I told him exactly what colors we were getting them on. And he was right alongside of us, same exact line, same exact rods, same boards, same speed, same leader length, everything. And he couldn't get bit on the colors that we were getting bit on. He had to put on two different colors. Um, I think it's just like it goes back to what you're confident in. And uh, that's the key to anything, especially on the Great Lakes. 
All right. Well, now that lends lends itself to this question. What are your favorite colors for Browns on Lake Ontario? <laughs> um, I'll give you six. I'll give you ten. UVNBK, Mongoose, The Doctor, Lance's Two Face, Black Widow. Uh, UV Can't Afford It, UV Die Hard, UV Green Glow Alive, and Chicken Wing. Were you counting on your fingers? Because I was actually impressed that you came up with exactly 10. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I might have. Okay. Because <laughs> so I'm like, there's no way <laughs> call out 10. And he's going to do exactly 10. So that was cool. Tell me about the meat rigs, though. You were talking about meat rigs for salmon a little while ago. How do you set up your meat rigs? What are you running there? Um, it's all different every time of the year. Um, sometimes I use Oki attractors. There's times I use a big shooter paddle, um, Michigan Stinger 8-inch chips. Um, there's times I use Dreamweaver Spin Doctors. Um, it, it, it all depends on the, the bite. You know, um, you try to put a mix of everything in the water and start seeing what's going and then make adjustments from there. Um, I always have two of my favorites, a bullfrog Oki 13 inch paddle. Um, behind that, I'll have black magic Twinkies or uh, Davis destroyer Twinkies and a Reese Davis head um, or a diabolical head. There's times the bait head makes a difference too. Um, and I'll have a white fish, 13 inch fish with glow squids and a white head or an ultra white glow fly from atomic and a white glow head. Um, those are two of my favorites. They're, they're probably in the water at some point of each day, every day. Um, the original pro troll green chip, um, with atomic 41 fly. One of my favorites. I watched Gene Delicati club numerous Kings for a long time over that head. Uh, same thing though. I mean, if you have enough of one thing in the water, and you're confident in it, it's going to work. And I watched it work for years. Um, there's times it's just a clean meat head. There's times they want Twinkies. Same thing. Experiment. You know, watch watch what's going. If the Twinkies keep going, put more Twinkies in the water. If if they, you know, if they're not going, try a clean bait head. Different length leads. Um, I run a little bit lighter line when I do my Twinkies. Some guys like 40. Some guys like 25, 30. Um, depending on the time of the year, I can go as light as 20 or as heavy as 30, but I never run straight 40. Um, I know diabolical Mark, he runs 40 and he does very well. So it's once again, it's what you're confident in. So I put in what I'm confident in and do I get a lot of bite offs? I do get some bite offs. Do I think it's always because it's actually getting bit off? No. Um, I'm going to try out some new hooks from Adia. David Adia sent me some hooks that have a resin glow resin in the, the, I guess you would say the notch of the, the treble hook. And I think a lot of times what happens is that King comes in and hits that bait forward and your line gets stuck in between the treble hook, you know, the turns and it ends up popping off. Um, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to using them and, and hopefully, yeah, that's going to help stop a few bite offs or what we're considering bite offs. But um, I like, I like herring. I use a lot of herring. Um, I know guys do catch their own L wives. I prefer not to use an L-Wife. I think the herring outfishes the L-Wives. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I don't buy any L-Wives from anyone else besides Atomic, or I'll buy my own. Um, 
from an undisclosed location and person. <laughs> and no, I'm not answering that question. So don't ask it because I'm not answering it. Pleading the fifth. All right. So if you're a meat guy, uh, here's a cool question. Do you believe in scents for your other stuff when you're not running meats? Do you put scents on, on your other lures? Absolutely. Um, I, I know it was the time me and Andy Bliss were out in the springtime. He helps me on the weekends in the spring. It was it was chocolate up and half, and we're looking at each other. And he reaches in his pocket, and I think it was Potsky or Atlas Mike's, one of the two. And he put one on a spoon on a Chinook Diver. And before he could pull the other Chinook Diver that was out 10 feet, the other one was going. So he looked at me, and he's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know either. So we pulled things in, and he started putting it on all the spoons. And our day went from gloomy to it was unbelievable. And so absolutely, I do think scents help. Um, do I think a lot of scent? No, but I don't think it can hurt. You know, there's a few brands I like. I like Atlas Mikes, and I like Potsky. Um, I do use a lot of Atlas Mike's uh, herring um, and Elwife. I think the two of them at times definitely, especially on spoons. Um, and I use them on my lake trout rigs. You know, the coho fly I'll take and I'll just take a little of that scent and put it in it and it seems to help. Very cool. How about, so we've been talking hooks, we've been talking uh, some spoons there. Someone else asked earlier, uh, what is your, your go-to knot? What do you like for knots? For tying my leaders, attach them to my mainline double uni, uh, regular fisherman's knot for my swivels. Um, I think that'd be it. My, uh, I don't even know what I would call the knot. Two overhand knots when I tie on my le fly, fly leaders. Um, I use a bead chain on all my meat rigs. Um, I think that's it. You know, double a double uni is probably the, the easiest and, and most efficient knot that I use to attach my leaders. That or double surgeons. Um, other than that, it's, it's uh, you know, just check your knots and check your, your, your leader regularly. Awesome. Here's a comment, not a question, from Ryan Turnbell. He says, uh, thanks, Casey, for your weekly reports. Last weekend, we had a banner day with Lakers, and I credit your reports and tips to them. I love it. Like, That's like, what it's all about. One? Fishermen helping fishermen, because at the end of the day, we're all out there to have a good time. So here's, congrats, Here's buddy. a long one and a two-parter from Hondo Scott. He says, uh, for your weekend angler who doesn't have a lot of fishing connections for current info, what tips can you give to find productive water or eliminate unproductive water based on conditions? I feel I spend uh, too long trying to locate fish. Then he says, part two, how long do you run a lure or flasher before you change colors if it's not productive? It all depends, I guess, on what you're fishing for, de depending on the conditions. Um, I can tell you, don't chase the boat pack. I feel so many guys do that. They look, oh, there's a charter boat. They must be on the fish. Guys, we don't know where the fish are half the time either because they move constantly. Um, are there areas known to have certain fish or do I have some waypoints that I've had, you know, success? Absolutely. But that's not the only place fish are. Um, I can tell you, you'll have a lot more success when you're not in a boat pack than when you're in a boat pack. The fish feel that pressure and so do the, so do the fishermen. Um, Brown trout fishing, the best thing I can tell you is, is look for dirty water or warmer water. Pay attention to your electronics. You know, if your fish hawk says it went from 42 to 46 degrees, spend a little time in that area. Maybe you won't get a bite, 
maybe you go through and you have four or five on, you know, they just, it was directional or it was the time of day or you were in 15 feet of water. And when you turn, you went into 12 or, or 10 and you got bites um, or your speed wasn't right. There's so many variables. Um, but I can tell you work water that you're confident in. Um, and you said you spent a lot of time in looking for water. I guess the best thing I can tell you is that there's, there's apps. Um, you can go on and look at a thermocline, a temperature map. Um, I think it's Coastwatch, I believe, is if you go in and type in Lake Ontario surface temperature, you can also go in and look at a Lake Ontario aerial view. That is Coastwatch, and it'll show you where you got colored water. Um, like we can watch, like if we get a big northeast wind when I'm out in Wilson in May, you can watch the Niagara plume that normally goes past Alcott. There's times it'll be pushed up, and there's the only spot you see that pearly green water is right in front of the bar. Um, which that tells you, you better go to the bar to get your fish or hope to find a piece of that water that broke apart and the fish stayed with it, which does happen. Um, as far as how long do I leave something in the water? Um, with panoptics, that, that helps me a ton. Uh, the one day we were fishing and I was with Matt French at Oak Orchard and I had a UV two-faced chip 55 feet down and I had a white fish with the white glow Twinkies and a white head down 80 feet and four in a row came in and looked at that UV two face chip and then shot down to the 80 foot rigger and hit it. Um, we ended up taking a fish over 30 pounds that day. It came in and looked at the 55 foot rigger and then went down. They say fish don't go down. I'm going to tell you that's not, that's not the truth. I've watched them go down. I've seen brown trout 35 feet down, go down and hit a 90 foot rigger. Without a doubt, it happens. Get panoptics and you'll see it. Um, so I think if I pulled that UV two-phase chip out of the program, and I think it happens a lot to us because we don't, we don't realize it, that I wouldn't have caught those other fish. So I think sometimes your best rig is the rig that's not taking the fish. It's actually bringing them into your spread. Um, and without panoptics, I would never have known that. You know, Matt's looking at me. He's like, we got to put that. We got to change that out. I said, look. And he saw it. You know, it was the white fish. It was constant they'd come in look shoot down and there'd be your bite um i think putting together the right spread and and checking it out there are lures that i'm leaving them in put your best stuff in the water when it's a tough bite and don't vary much from it you want to start experimenting don't experiment on a tough day experiment on a good day um and listen to the fish fish will always talk to you you just got to listen to them yeah i might be crazy you're going to say i'm crazy because i listen to fish well they definitely tell you what they want. It's being able to, to figure that out. Well, here's a good one. Kind of on that same line, you're talking about spread. Uh, Stephen Hubert asked, and, and we talked about copper a little bit earlier in the show. Are you running mostly copper or are you running lead core also? Uh, he says that he's eliminated all lead core, but always wonders if he should run some during shallow water presentations. Um, depends on the depth and where the temperature is. Uh, and a few well, middle of May or even June, if I'm fishing in that 30 to 40 foot of water, um, we'll run an 18 or 19 rod spread for our browns. I'll have uh, two one colors, two two colors, two three colors, two fours, two fives, um, two Chinook divers, two big John cookie divers, three riggers and a hundred copper down the middle. Um, and I'll watch what rods start going. If I have three colors going, I'll add another three color or some days they all go. Um, but I think absolutely when you're fishing shallow water, lead core has a different action to it than uh, heavy, dense copper. There are days the copper outfishes 
the, the lead core and there's days that lead core outfishes that as well. Um, I don't think you should ever eliminate lead core or copper from your program. They both have a time and a place and both are very productive. So I would uh, definitely, definitely keep them in your program. Awesome. Mark Madison asked two questions regarding running torpedoes off inline boards, greater mono and what length power rod would you recommend? Torpedoes, torpedo divers. Is that what he's asking? I'm guessing that's what he's asking. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't run torpedo divers. Um, I have run snap weights, uh, one ounce, two ounce, three ounce, four ounce. It's really, uh, that's a tricky one. You start 50, 50 feet back, snap on a weight and let it out another 50 and then do the next one, the same weight, let it out a hundred or 80 and see which one starts going. Um, I don't think there's any way to really get a good idea how deep they are. I know in Michigan, they run dropper weights or thumper balls. Um, they call them pumps out there. Um, they'll hook 50 feet up from the line, let it out 50 and put them on a board. Um, I haven't had any, you know, experience using torpedo divers. Um, but I, I know guys use them and you know, they obviously catch fish. So, but I could honestly give you an honest answer on that. All right. You've been chasing Lakers, Casey. How about uh, when are you going to start going after salmon? When do you think that'll start taking off in your neck of the woods? Honestly, I've been watching every day and the bait's showing up. Um, same thing though. I, I just, the water being that clear, I feel like if you're going to get them, it's just going to be a straggler here and there. That bait, still out super deep 150 160 feet of water um with my garmin electronics i have a good idea what a king mark is when i see it i honestly haven't seen one yet um i'm hoping i'm hoping soon you know I, i'd love to see a squadron of kings show up you know even if it's for a couple of days or even have a few days where i can fish browns it's not that i don't enjoy catching lakers i just i like a variety of fish you know i feel like uh my, my clients do too so uh hopefully soon I know in May when I get the Wilson, I'm going to be kingfishing a lot. I can't wait. All right, here's another one. We're talking about uh, different fish. We haven't talked about this one yet. Uh, another one from Christian Schoen. He wants to know if you're going to target steelhead, how would you attack doing so? This time of the year, it's real difficult. Most of those fish are in the river spawning. And when they come out, they don't spend much time in the shallows where we fish. Um, I feel like they go out to the middle of the lake and, you know, target whatever's out there bugs on the surface any surface bait whatever they can find it's hard to get them right now um later in the season you look for thermoclines um i feel like a, a good population of them lately has been on the eastern end but in the past it's always been out west you seem to hear a lot more steelhead being caught alcott oak orchard niagara um and most of that's offshore 300 to 500 feet of water sometimes deeper um i know matt french likes to go out to defense so I think it's 26 miles or 22 miles in Rochester that he runs out there. And it's, you know, all surface out there. And they get some kings mixed in with them, too. There's bait out there. And they have a blast on some beautiful steelhead. But I, I feel like most of the steelhead end up going to the middle of the lake. And that's where they, uh, they grow until they start to make their voyage back to go spawn. So later in the year, we target them. Um, September, October, even into November, I'll keep the boat in if conditions allow. And uh, – we do very well with late season steelhead as they're starting to come to the Salmon River to spawn. We'll, we'll get them offshore um, on lead cores and coppers. Um, they, you know, one thing I can say is lots of rods to do it and nothing's consistent. You'll get them on a, a 400 copper 
and the next one could be on a two-color lead core. Um, they're all over the, the water column. You know, it's pretty much generic water, and they have no reason to be in a certain area. They just spread out, and they're whatever depth they want to be at, they'll be at. But if you have enough rubs in the water, hopefully you can drag a spoon by uh, one of their faces and, you know, a hungry one and, and, and hook up. Casey, really appreciate you coming on and spending time with us. I know you've been running a ton of trips. I think you told me you've already done 60 trips this year. I know you've got uh, clients coming in tomorrow. So we're going about here to let you go. But I want to give you just a chance to talk about uh, your charter again. And if people want to get a hold of you, find out what you're up to, where can they do it? Uh, you can go on Facebook, Dirty Goose Sport Fishing. Uh, my website's dirtygoose-sportfishing.com. Uh, my cell phone's 845-234-5024. Um, love the chat and get you out in the water. Yeah, Casey does uh, reports seemingly uh, every day, but if not every day, it seems like every other day you've been doing a great job of, of doing that this year. And looks like you're getting a ton of people watching too. So that's cool that people are checking out and seeing what you're doing and what you're up to. So uh, I think everyone appreciates you doing that and helping out the community. Uh, as far as our winner tonight, we're going to go with uh, Christian showing, uh, not necessarily a steelhead question. I like the question that he asked earlier. When he said, do you think, did you think you'd ever be where you are now? I thought that was kind of a cool question. He actually, he actually charged with me. So he's a good dude. Does he? Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so he knows that where to go. Awesome. Yeah. So was, I thought I really liked that. That was a cool question. But uh, Casey, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your knowledge. We had a great Thanks to everybody for showing up and asking questions and uh, hanging out with us. And next week, we've got another guy from Lake Michigan. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, to another gentleman from Lake Michigan from the Wisconsin side. But we're going to be looking for uh, other folks. If uh, there's a captain out there watching tonight from the Michigan side or from Lake Huron, we'd love to have you. Or even Lake Superior, I'd like to get some different guys on. So uh, catch up with us at Fish on the Fishhawk Electronics page. Send us a direct message, and uh, we'd love to have you on the show. But, Casey, once again, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thank you, bud. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.